All right, we're going to go ahead and jump here into the Word. We're, we're getting really close. We're kind of bringing this, this series in for a landing. We're going to be kind of closing it out over the next couple of weeks, but I've enjoyed sharing it with you. It's, the title of the series has been Tough as Nails, and we kind of looked at how Jesus was tough as nails, and if Jesus was tough as nails, we could be tough as nails, knowing that, that the things that, that He could accomplish, we can accomplish because of what He has done in us and through us, knowing that, that no matter how hard it gets, if we have Jesus, we're tough enough, to handle whatever situations or circumstances this world throws at us. And it's not because of our strength necessarily. It's because of what God is doing in us that really does this. And we've been kind of looking at attributes of Jesus, kind of tried to use one word attributes that we can apply in our lives. And here's the thing. These attributes are not just stuff that we need to use when things are hard. We need to use them all the time. These are all the things that we need to be kind of looking at. But we have been kind of looking at seasons in our lives that have been a little more difficult. And, and, and the one that we're going to actually talking about this morning is kind of interesting because it's kind of one that when we are going through a difficult time, it seems a little counterintuitive. It kind of seems like this isn't the way it should go. But I really believe that when we, if we're going through a hard time, if we can apply this attribute, it could really make a difference in our lives. Before we get into it, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this time, for this opportunity to come and, and be together and, and learn about who you are and these attributes and how we can apply them to our lives. Father, I believe that any time we can become more like your son, that's a good day. That's a, that's a good accomplishment. That's something that, that not only changes us, but also changes those around us which is awesome, which is something that we desire. So, Father, I pray that you would help us today. Help me to share the words that you desire for me to share. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, the word for this week that we're going to be looking at, when the going gets tough, the tough learn to give. The tough learn to give. Now, here's the thing. I don't know about you, but I know me very well, okay? And, and that's probably good in some ways and not in others. But I know when I'm going through a hard time, I tend to get very self-absorbed. I, I tend to get very self-aware. I tend to kind of, instead of looking out, I tend to look in. And a lot of times in those situations, I'm, I'm kind of one of those guys that, that kind of wants to look at people and, okay, it, it's time for you to help me. It's time for you to, to, to minister to me. It's time for you to give to me. And, and I think that's, that's fine to an extent. I mean, I, I want to be that type of person for others. I want people to, to pour into my life, and that's good. But unfortunately, sometimes in our lives, when we go through hard things, we tend to allow those hard things to make us so self-centered and so self-absorbed that we forget that we have a responsibility, a commandment, and something that we need to understand. And that is, we are to be people of, giver, of giving. We need to be people that are constantly, not just when things are good, not just when things are okay, even when things are bad, of being a type of person who is giving out of an outflow or an inflow of what God is putting in us. And so it needs to be something that comes out. In Acts 20, we see this verse, and we, we've heard it before, you've heard it before, but it's important. Acts 20, 35b, it says, you should remember, and it says remember not, and it doesn't give any specifics here, okay? We don't say you need to remember this when things are well, or when things are hard, or when things are, it's just, you need to remember this all the time. The words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And look, we all enjoy receiving. We all enjoy those moments where, where somebody comes and does those things. But I've learned something, in, in even in those hard times, that when I am the type of person that no matter what I'm going through, I'm willing to give, there's something amazing that begins to take place. It, and we're going to get a little bit more into this in a second. But I want to kind of lay the groundwork here for understanding that this is something that needs to happen in the good times and the hard times. And in the, anything in between. Because we tend to, depending on our circumstances, feel like this commandment is only, uh, only meaningful and necessary when things are good. And I'm going to challenge you this morning with the understanding that, that quite honestly, it's, it's easier to give when things are good. Your faith is grown. Your trust is grown. Your, your spiritual man is growing stronger when you are willing to give when it's not going well. But in those moments, we begin to see some great things. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty five 25 with me. I love this verse. It says, the generous will prosper. It doesn't say the generous might prosper. It doesn't say they sometimes prosper. It says they will prosper. And then it goes on. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I don't know about you, but kind of going into that idea of this being tough and hard at times, we tend to say, refresh me. Refresh me. I'm going through a hard moment. Come here and help me. But what's interesting is Scripture kind of teaches something a little different. It's saying, listen, if you want to be refreshed, refresh others. If you want to allow God's Spirit to do something powerful in you, be a part of what God is doing in others. And I've learned over my life that when I begin to pour out, it's amazing what God begins to pour back into me. It's amazing, and I don't want us to miss that. I don't want us to miss those incredible things that God wants to do in us as we begin to pour out into others. Look here, this is important because anytime we talk about giving, I know where everybody's head goes, and if you've been around here enough, you know that I talk about giving. I usually, it's about once a year or so, depending on the, on the year, that I say, hey, this is important understanding. We need to get this, but it's more than just giving, and we're going to look at this in a moment, but this is in your notes, and I want you to get this. God wants to cultivate a spirit of generosity in all of us. One of our things out on the wall is, is we give extravagantly because God gave extravagantly. We, ex we want to cultivate a spirit of generosity. We want to be people. And listen, can I, can I be honest with you? Listen, in, I have seen the spirit of generosity more alive and effective sometimes in people who have very, very little than people that have a lot. And I'm not just talking about financial things. I'm talking about giftings and talents and abilities and callings and all these things. God wants us to have a spirit of generosity. God wants us to everything he has given us to literally have an open hand and say, God, if you want to use this here, if you want to use me here, God, I am available to you. I am willing to do whatever you desire because you have given me so much. As we've looked at these attributes, we, we, we really focus obviously on Jesus, and we're going to continue to do that this morning because the bottom line is, is Jesus is the ultimate giver. I've said this before, I'll say it again. You will never outgive God. 
have a competition. If you're, if you're one of those people that loves, you know, competition, you're real competitive, have a competition. Set out to outgive God and see what happens. Because I promise you, you'll never outgive him. He gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. Let's look at a verse we all hear about, but it's important that we catch it. John 10, 9 verse 11. This is what it says. John, uh, Jesus is speaking. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. And now we see a little compare and contrast here. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. And listen, he goes even one step further. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Jesus gives and he gives. We talked about this before. The most famous verse in the Bible is about the generosity of God. For God so loved the world, he gave. And what's interesting here is, is Jesus is sharing this idea of giving us life and giving us life to the fullest and in abundance. He's talking about him sacrificing and giving his own life for the sheep. And there's plenty of other instances in scripture that I could have used, but I thought these were two great ones that kind of show some different things that when, when, when it came to Jesus giving. But here's the question. He also kind of gives us a compare and contrast here. He says, listen, the thief takes and the good shepherd gives. You get that? One gives life and full life and even lays down his own life. The other's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. One gives, one takes. One is someone who freely shares with the, the others as far as what God has given them, and the other hoards and keeps to themselves. This may be a little harsh, but I think it's important that we ask this question for all of us. Are we more like the thief or are we more like the shepherd? Are we the type of people who give of all we are and all we have? Or are we the type of people that basically kill, steal, and destroy? Because God said very clearly, Jesus said, listen, you're going to serve one and hate the other. You can't serve two masters. So in this moment, we need to have a question time with ourselves and be honest. Whose master? Which one are we following here? And look, I, I know, I, if you're like me, there's sometimes where I do a really good job and there's probably sometimes I don't. But in all of this, if we're going to take on the attributes of Jesus, we have to be a giver. And not just when it's easy, when it's hard. It wasn't easy for Jesus to give himself for us. That wasn't, a, listen, hear me here. Friday wasn't a good day. You get what I mean? I I, it's always made me, it always made my mind just want to go, because I never understood it. You know, and I get it, I get it. But, you know, it's like we always call it Good Friday. Hey, Good Friday, it was good for us. It wasn't for Jesus. It cost Jesus a lot. Sunday, it's like we ought to call it Good Easter, you know, Good, good Resurrection Sunday or whatever. Good Friday was hard. But even in that difficult moment, Jesus gave and Jesus continues to give. But let's look at now how this can play into our lives as well. Because listen to what Jesus continues to say as he continues on in John's gospel in John 12. This is what it says starting with verse number 23. Jesus replied, 
Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times when we look at this scripture, you're, you probably are going to maybe remember this scripture or see it. Okay. The reason that we put 23 is sometimes we leave 23 off and we miss the context here. Listen to the context. In 23, Jesus is telling us who he's talking about in verse 24. Okay? Seems simple, but sometimes we miss that. So let's remember. This is Jesus saying, Now it has come for the Son of Man, which is the term that Jesus used for himself very often, is enter into his glory. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. What is that talking about? What, what, what is Jesus communicating here? He's basically talking to some people that are used to farming. They understand the concept. They're very familiar with it. He uses the idea of wheat for the same reason. And basically what he's saying is this. Unless you take a seed, and unless that seed is willing to die in the ground, it will remain alone. It will only be one seed. We sometimes forget that. Sometimes we think that, that if we have our seed, if we're, and we'll get to this in a minute, if we're the seed, just by simply being uh, the seed, there will be things that will come from the seed. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, basically, the seed has to do something very important for the harvest to come. Did you catch what it was? The seed has to die. How does a seed die? Simple. You put it in the ground and it dies. Now, of course, it springs forth life, but there has to be a death that takes place. It's interesting that Jesus, when he's talking about himself, what does he kind of say? This idea of being put away, put in, a, in, in, a, in, in the ground, in the, the tomb. And because Jesus was willing to do that, we are here today. Because he was willing to say, you know what, I will let these things die so that others can live. We are here today. And here's the thing we need to understand this. If we get this, as we kind of get into this, we're really going to see some things I do believe that will change our mindset when it comes to all these things. Jesus, here, what he's saying is this. Jesus was a seed. And we are called to be seeds as well. Okay? Jesus, sometimes we look at this and we go, oh, isn't that wonderful? Yes, yes, the seed has to die. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, yes, so that we can live. It's a completely different thing when we go, oh, wait, we're supposed to be a seed too. I, I, I'll be honest, can I be honest? I, I'm going to be anyway. I, I kind of like the idea of Jesus dying so that I can live and do what I want to do. But that's not what being a follower of Jesus is. Being a follower of Jesus is going, listen, if, if Jesus did it, and that's my example, then I need to do it too. I need to be willing to take those things and die so that others can live. Now look, I'm not necessarily saying physical death here, but I, I, I'm going to kind of start to bring this home a little bit. But we need to start understanding, listen, hear me here. There may be things in your life that are hindering your giving and it really is because something in your life really needs to die. Okay? Something needs to die. For some of you, you have a hard time giving. And I don't know if I want to get into this right now, but I am going to. It, you don't want to give because you don't feel like you have enough. There's a trust issue. 
And you kind of say these things like, well, I'll give when I have enough. Or, or when, when I'm better at this, like what, 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 the, the kind of thing that needs to die in us is, is a spirit of inferiority where we go like, I'm just not good enough. I just, I can't help in this area. Why not? Well, because I, I, I'm just not good enough. I, I, I don't sing well enough or I don't speak well enough or I don't handle kids well enough or whatever it may be. Listen, I want you to, and I'm praying and have been praying for you this week that God would literally begin to kill some things in you and me that hinder us in the way that we give ourselves. So we need to understand there may be times, listen, sometimes we, we find that, like people, oh, I want to give, I want to be a part, I want to serve, I, I, I want to give of myself, all these things, and, and you have a hard time doing it. Listen, if that's you, I'm going to venture that there's probably something in you that God is going to say, listen, I need to, we need to let that die so that this can grow and live. But here's the thing, and this is in your notes, and again, this is one of those shifting of the mind things that I think God wants us to get. And if we can get this, it'll help. And it's this. This world isn't a gift for you. You are a gift for the world. Okay? Do you understand what I just communicated to you? You are not here. God did not place you here, me here, to be served by the world. Our job is is to be a gift, is to be a servant, is to be that type of person. And listen, if you sit back and you have that thought or that mindset that's basically, listen, it's give it to me. I need it. It, It's again what we talked about earlier, this concept of I'm hurting. You need to minister to me. You need to help me. You need to make a difference to me. If we can flip that switch, what will happen is this. And this is what's amazing about how God works. When you begin to understand that you are a gift to the world, not only will the needs of others be met, but God will basically meet your needs in ways and in a scope that you can never even imagine. It's amazing. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in others' lives. It's absolutely amazing. So to kind of bring this all in, I want to look at three powerful ways that you can be a gift to this world. You say, Aaron, how do I do that? Let's look at some application, okay? Some of this will be simple, some of it, you know, but but, but listen, we need to get the simple stuff too before we we just always worry about the hard stuff. And we're going to look at a gentleman named Barnabas to help us see that. Barnabas is a character that we see in the Bible in Acts. He was a follower of Jesus early, early on in the church. He went on some amazing missionary journeys with Paul. Uh, We're going to look at his life real briefly as an example, because I think that Barnabas got this. Barnabas understood this, and I wanted to give us somebody that we could look at. Because here's the thing. Barnabas does some amazing, great, awesome things. But Barnabas also does some not-so-great things. Barnabas is not perfect. Barnabas doesn't doesn't do everything just right. Barnabas is a great example for us because Barnabas is used mightily by God even in his mess-ups. Yeah, he has some triumphs. Yeah, he does some great things, but he's not perfect. But we're going to look at him as an example. So let's look at, and and there's many, many more, guys, many, many more. But let's just look at three, three powerful ways you can be a gift to this world using Barnabas kind of as an example. Number one, your words can be a gift to this world. Let's look at Acts 4.36. This is what it says, Acts 
4.36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, who the apostles called Barnabas. And Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. So what's this mean? It's simple. His name is Joseph. That's, he was born, his name was Joseph. But he gets a nickname. And his nickname is Barnabas. We know him as Barnabas. We say Barnabas. When we talk about stories, we say Barnabas. When you see his name written in Acts, it's Barnabas. Barnabas means son of encouragement. Now, I want you to stop for a second and think about this. Now, most of us may have known that, oh, but I know that that's what that means. But can you imagine having a nickname like that? Let me ask you a simple question that may kind of scare you a little bit. It scared me when I thought about it this week. If someone gave me a nickname based on how I acted and how I responded to people, I wonder what my nickname would be. Mm -hmm. Now, as you sit there next to some of you are sitting there next to your spouses, you know, please, please remember, do not give them the nickname. You know, this would not go over well, okay? But, but for yourself, think of yourself for a second. What would your nickname be? What would it be son? Maybe it would be son of encouragement. Would it be daughter of love? Maybe it'd be son of grace. Or maybe it's son of impatience. Daughter of temper. Uh, son of gossip. Daughter of selfishness. I mean, think about that for a second. This guy was so good at encouraging that they called him that all the time. Like, listen, that, that's amazing. I want that for us. I want that for me. And I don't want, I'd, I'd rather not have son of temper, okay? I mean, a good one. But here is a man who is called son of encouragement. I believe this with all my heart. Barnabas knew the power of words. Barnabas knew the power of using words to lift people up, not tear people down. Look, can we be honest, please? We, we, don't, we, are, we are probably good enough finding the fault with ourselves. We really don't need help, okay? Let's, let's instead be a people that encourages each other. Let's be a people that lifts each other up. Let's be a people that say, you can do this, you can accomplish this, instead of the people that just kind of tear people down. When I was in high school, I, 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 one of the great things, I, I, one of the great things, one of the things I really enjoyed doing every summer was, was camp. I would go to youth camp, you know, for a week and have a great time. And then I would always go, and I went since I was 13 or something, just old enough to do this. I would go as a counselor to kids camp. And I, I loved it. I loved it for lots of reasons. One was I really liked the services because they had the puppets again, you know. And sometimes, they, you know, I, I love that. You know, it's like I'd be all excited. We're going to go to service. And the kids were like, oh. And I'm like, there's puppets. There's, there's you, know, you know, magic. It's going to be awesome, you know. So I loved that. But I also love just being a counselor to some of these kids. You know, it's like here I am, 14, 15 years old, you know, and I have these eight-year-olds under me that are going to sit under my tutelage and, and learn from my oh, you know, overwhelming wisdom, you know, whatever it was. And we would do all sorts of fun activities during the day. And I remember one time in particular, we were going to play basketball. 
And this was back, you know, where, where they, you know, we had a basketball court. And so teams would, would, or groups would play basketball against each other and have a tournament. It was always a lot of fun. And, and we had some kids on, uh, in my group that were really, really, actually really good at basketball. And then just like you would expect, we had some kids that, that, that weren't so good. And, and so we had this one kid, and he was about eight years old. And, and he wasn't the best basketball player in the world. And we had five or six, seven really good kids that played on leagues and all that sort of stuff. And so we would play, and, 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 and every time I'd say, okay, and I won't say his name because maybe he'll hear this one day, but I, I would say, okay, man, it, it's time for you to go in. Go in, go in. Oh, no, 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 Aaron, I can't. I can't. I, what, what do you mean? I just, I just can't. And so that happened on Tuesday. And I, oh, oh, you don't want to play? Okay, that's, that's fine. You know, well, sure enough, you know, we, we, we kept playing and we won. And it was great. And so then we went on to the next day and, and, and we're playing well. And I go, go to the guy. I say, come on, it's your turn. You got you to get in there and play. Oh, no, 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 Aaron, I can't. I can't. I can't. I said, I, I said but, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. We're just, we're just having a good time. It doesn't matter if you make a shot or you don't. You, you know, no, Aaron, I can't. I can't. I can't. And okay, you know, and it was kind of strange because usually they would go out there, even if it was just running around, you know, you know, they had no idea, you know, and this, this young man just wouldn't do it. He just, he just, he wasn't belligerent or mean, he just refused. He just, no, I'm not doing that. And so I, I kind of, it just kind of stuck in my craw, you know what I mean when I say that? I just, I couldn't quite figure it out, and, and it was at the service, you know, in between the puppets and all these great stories and things, and and I just was praying. I said, God, what, what's, what's going on? And, and I just felt like God spoke to my heart and said, you know, you, you need to have a conversation a little bit more. And I, I okay, I'll, I'll get this figured out, you know. And, and so we, we were getting ready to go. And here's the thing. We won those games that we played on Tuesday and Wednesday. And so now we're in the championship game. I mean, this is, this is the big time. And so I'm telling the guys, okay, we're going to get ready. We're going to go up in about 15 minutes and we're going to play. And I called this young man over and I taught, sat, down, sat him down on his bunk and it kind of got him away from everybody. And I said, you know, I, I don't understand. You know, why, why don't you want to play? And, and I said, what, what, what's going on? And he said, well, you know, you know, you know my dad. And, and I knew him sort of. He, he really kind of was at church once in a while. He really came with his mom. Um, so I didn't know his dad real well, and I said, I said, yeah. And he said, well, I used to play on a league. I said, oh, well, see, that's great. You, you can do this. And he shook his head, and a little eight-year-old tear began to stream down his face. And I said, what, what is going on? He said, well, I was on a team, and, and I missed a shot. And his dad was in the stands, eight years old. And he said, my dad yelled from the stands. He said his name. He said, you stink at basketball. And he didn't use stink, okay? And he said, I, I can't play. And I said, I just looked at him. And I, and I, I didn't know what to say. You know, here I am, 15 years old with all my great wisdom. What do you say? I didn't know what to do. I just put my arms around him. I said his name. I specifically said his name. And I said, listen to me. I 
don't care if you go out there and miss every shot. I'm proud of you. You can do this. And I believe in you. And it was literally, I, I've never experienced this before. It was the strangest thing. It was like, I was holding him, and I was telling him this in his ear. It was like, it was like a lightning bolt went through his body because he just went, he just, just jumped like that. And I could feel him. And he pulled me back. And he's looking me in the face. He goes, you mean that? And I said, absolutely. I said, you don't have to play, but you need to know. I believe in you. Tears just began to flow down his face. We went to the championship game. I waited. I waited. Didn't wait till we were way ahead. I waited till when it mattered. And I said, okay, man, are you ready to go in? And he looked at me and he said, no, but if you say I can do it, then I can do it. And he ran on the court. And here was what was crazy. He was good. He was actually one of the better kids. He did great. We won the whole thing. He was jumping up and down just like the rest of them. What happened? Somebody just encouraged him. Listen, anybody can do that. I, I was a 15-year-old, know nothing. But I knew enough to put my arms around somebody and tell them I believed in them. You do too. Let's have that name. You say, Aaron, I can't give. Aaron, I can't. It's too hard. Listen, every single one of us can give an encouraging word. Every single one of us can look at people and say, I believe in you. You can do this. I'm, I'm in your corner. I'm, I'm behind you. What can I do to help you? Because I believe that you can do whatever God has called you to do. Whether it's on a basketball court or in life in general. Let's understand that our words can be such a gift. Number two, your resources can be a gift to this world. Look at Acts 4. We're going to read 36 again, just for some context, and then 37. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the disciples or the apostles' feet. So not only is this man a man that talks the talk, he walks the walk. He's a man that gives with his words, but is also a man that gives with his resources. He takes a field, he, has, he takes what he has, and he gives it to the Lord. He gives it to the Lord. Listen, it's in your notes. It's so important that we get this. It's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you have. Not, it's not about a certain amount. It's not about those things. It's about taking what God has given you and sharing that and doing, being a blessing with it, no matter what it is. Listen, there's a story in 1 Kings 17 that we're going to look at in just a second that I think really shows this point. But I want to kind of give you a little context before we get into where we're going to be. Elisha is a prophet, and he has been basically, there, there's been a famine. There's people dying all over the place. God has fed him literally with ravens, and this is all going on. Well, God speaks to me. He says, listen, I want you to go to this town, and in this town there's a widow. And I want you to find the widow, and this widow is going to help you. Now, let's remember what the context is. This 
widow is the poorest of the poor. This is not a rich individual. This is someone who has nothing before the famine and has probably even less now. God doesn't send him to the richest man in town. He doesn't send him to the person that you would expect. He sends him to the poorest of the poor, the weakest of the weak, and says, she will provide for you. So he comes up to her and basically starts to talk and begins to say, listen, I, I, I need some help. I'm hungry, basically. Let's pick up the story here in 1 Kings 17, starting with verse number 12. This is what it says. So he's asked for some food. The woman responds. She says, but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering. When he comes up, I'm gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. This is a hard moment in this woman's life. This is the last supper, if this will make sense. Do you know what I mean? So he comes up and says, I, I'm hungry. Will you feed me? She says, listen, I got nothing left. I got enough to make one little loaf of bread, and then that's it. And then my son and I are going to die. It's not, oh, listen, it's not just the woman here. It's her son, too. But listen to what she does. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said. Make a little bread for me first. Now I want you to stop there for a second. Listen to what he asked the woman to do. He says, yeah, go ahead with your plan, but you need to make me something first. Typically when we give of our resources or our, all the things I've been talking about today, we tend to say, God, I'll give you what's left over. If I have time after all the things I want to do, then I'll give. If, if, if I, if after I spend the money how I want to spend it, then if there's any left over, I'll give it to you. Listen to what he says. He says, you've got to give to God first. Give to God first. Give to him in this instance. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Now listen to what this says. Listen, this is important. We see some rules here or some guidelines to help us in how we give. This woman is commanded or told by the man of God to first give to God or to him. Okay, in this instance. But he's not asking for all of it. He's saying what's left is what you can use. God doesn't come to us and say, give it all to me, even though he could, because all good and perfect gifts come from him. He says, listen, make me the priority. Make my commandments the priority. Do that first. And then what's left, and there's always, listen, there's always stuff that's left. And we'll see in a minute how much more can be left. But do that. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always, listen, if you, again, if you have a Bible with, with onion pages or use your phone, whatever, and you can underline, do me a favor, underline the word always. Always. Not some of the time, not oops, not always. You will always have, be, uh, there will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Let's continue on with verse number 15. Oh, that's it. I'm sorry. I didn't go on 15. So what happens? Okay. I stopped here to, to time. What happens at this moment? Okay. Well, it's real simple. 
she goes and she does exactly what Elisha does. And guess what happens? She never runs out of flour. She never runs out of oil. Can you imagine that miracle that just goes on? It's like she does it, and then she's like, well, we're going to go die. And, 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 and then his son goes, well, can I, I'm, Mom, I'm hungry. Well, whatever. You know, okay. And she goes, there's stuff here. There, there's still stuff here. And that, that was empty. There was nothing in there. And she goes about, and then later she goes back, and it just keeps coming, and it just keeps coming, and it just keeps coming, and it just keeps coming. Listen, sometimes we stop at this story, and we end there because it's, oh, what a wonderful story. Do you realize that as you continue in 17, something else amazing happens? That her son actually dies, and that Elisha is there at that moment? And God uses him to bring her child back to life. Listen, hear me here. Understand this principle of giving. When you put God first, you will never be last. And he will do more than you could ever dream, hope, or imagine. Because I want you to think about the story. If she had said, no, I'm not going to give it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to share. I don't believe God will try to take care of me. And she kept it for her son and herself. Guess what? She had died and her son had died too. But because of her obedience, because of her willingness to give a piece of bread to someone, not only is she sustained, but even when her son dies, the man of God is there to be used by God to bring her back to life. You say, Aaron, why do we talk about giving once a year? This is why. Because I believe there are dead things in people's lives that God is wanting to bring back to life, and it will come in these moments. I don't want us to miss those things. I want us to understand those things. So it's not about what you give. This is the poorest of the poor. God can take it and God can use it. The final thing, your very life can be a gift to the world. Let's look at Acts 13. We're going to go back to Barnabas here, kind of look at this. Acts 13, 2 through 3. It says, one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Sent them on their way. So look at Barnabas. I mean, and Barnabas went on missionary journeys. He experienced miracles, some amazing things. And remember, I said, Barnabas wasn't perfect. I mean, I could take you to Scripture and Acts where it kind of shows where Barnabas doesn't handle things quite right all the time. Paul and Barnabas have some arguments about some people, and they actually split up at some point in time. I mean, he's not perfect. But listen, he looks at his life, and he says, my life can be a gift. I can serve. I can go. I can minister. I can do these things. So not only is his words there, not only are his resources, but he's basically saying, God, I give you me to make a difference in my world. I give you me to help those that are around me. It's not about, listen, hear me here. It's not just about writing a check. It's not just even about saying the right words. It's about being like Isaiah and going, here, I, here am I, God, send me. Unfortunately, in our world today, can we be honest, I think we have the attitude that says basically, here am I, Lord, let me write a check and send somebody else. And I thank God for those that do those things. We have missionaries that we support every single month that we're helping do that. I'm not saying that's the bad thing. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's a wonderful thing. 
What I am saying is God is probably saying, I want to send you you. And there's a big difference there. It's a big difference. So not only did Barnabas give of what he had, not only did he give basically his, his words and his encouragement, but he, he gave himself. That's what really God's after. He wants all of us. And here's the thing. We need to understand this. It's in your notes. You make a difference not by being gifted, but by being available. Just being available. Just listen. Can I, can I, I'm going I'm to embarrass some people, and I don't care. So if I embarrass you, know that I'm embarrassing you out of great love, and, and I'm proud of you, okay? But, but I, I sometimes hear about little things that are going on. That's like, it's almost like you want to keep them secret from me or something. No, I'm just joking. That's not really what's going on. But I hear, you know, it's like I, 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 we always tell our son, you know, mom and dad always know. The pastor, no, he doesn't. But you know what I mean. And, and I heard something about Jason and Crystal. I found out that when they have some free time, and, and, and look, and they, they don't have a lot of free time. They work, and they work hard. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of them. I found out that they were going and they were, they were buying water and buying lunch material and making lunches and bottled water and going and finding people who have nothing and ministering to them. I'm so proud of you guys. That is taking and letting your life be a gift. And here's the thing, and I believe this, I believe there will be people in eternity because of your kindness, because your willingness to serve, because your willingness to give. I'm so proud of you. I told them, I said, listen, we need to be doing that as a church. And so I told them, listen, we need to get together and they're, they're planning where we can go and how we can do that. And it's coming. We're going we're gonna to steal their wonderful idea and we're going to come together and we're going to make some lunches and we're going to go find some people and help. Jason's already told me, hey, this is what, those, you know, what, what people would need. And, and, and he's, he's just been an unbelievable resource to help us to know how we can be a better, uh, serve some people in a better way. And I'm so excited about that. Be on the lookout. That's coming. We, I don't know if you know this. I, I'm not really a, uh, a person that does well with yards, you know, like I can cut them, but I have a hard time. And, 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 and just to be honest with you, sometimes this area back here by the church and the rocks, they, it gets a little hard to control the weeds and things like that. Well, Megan Opperly came up to Emily and said, hey, these, these weeds are getting a little rough, you know? And she, she didn't say, I, I wonder when Aaron will have time to pull the weeds, even though I've tried to keep up with them a little bit. She said, when can I come and take care of that? I remember it was a Wednesday. I was working on my message and I'm getting ready to go home and she made me feel absolutely horrible but I was so proud of her like I'm getting ready to go home I'm tired and she shows up this car pulls up into the church driveway and this girl gets out and I'm like I'm like what what's going on you know and I look over and it's Megan and she's got a trash can and she's like I'm ready I said what what's going on so I'm, I'm gonna take all the weeds I'm gonna pull all the weeds and I was like, oh, I mean, I felt convicted. I was like, oh, I, I, I need to go help her, you know. And, and she, she took care of it. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. 
for serving our church in that way. You go, but Aaron, they didn't preach a message. But Aaron, they didn't sing. I'd say, yes, but they were used by God. They did and made a difference with what they had. And I'm so proud of them. And I know, listen, I know I could talk about many of you in that way. So don't feel like I've forgotten. I know all the things you do, and I'm so proud of all of you. But it's not about being gifted. Some of us, we miss God's blessing because we think God wants perfection. And that's just not what God wants. He wants availability. The other thing is we tend to get to this mindset of basically it's too big. There's just too much. Listen, when it comes to giving your life away, it can be somewhat scary and it can be hard. So let me try to make it easier for you. Okay, and this is in your notes. It'll kind of bring us to a close. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Just do it for one. Okay? Don't, don't allow the enormity of the issues to keep you from doing for one. Listen, if, listen, if all of us just did for one, how would that change a lot of lives? Because what happens is we do for one, and then that one, then that one can go do for another one, and it multiplies. It's that idea of the seed that will remain alone, or that seed that's willing to die. So there's a massive harvest. Do for one. Listen, you can feed one. You can encourage one. You can love on one. You can invite one. You can minister to one. You can take out one to coffee. You can make a difference. Start with the one. Give your life away to the one. And see what God will do in you and through you. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. But listen and hear me, and I mean this, and, and I think that even with some of the examples, and again, I could have given more examples, and this includes people online and people that are here. Listen, you are a gift to this world. I believe that. You are called. You have giftings. You have abilities. You have resources. You have things that you can give to the world. Let me ask you a simple question. How's your giving? How's your giving? And, and look, let's, I know there's many, many more, but let's start with the three. How are you encouraging people? How are you, how are, listen, we, we, we don't even, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying this is the best way, but we'll take it however we can get it. You, you have a phone, you can text somebody some encouragement. Call somebody. You see him at work, well, you know, you did a really good job here. I really appreciate your hard work. It can make such an unbelievable difference. Are you giving and encouraging with your words? Number two, are you being faithful with your resources? Okay? Are you being faithful with what God has called you to do as far as your resources go? And then the final thing, are you willing to give your life to serve? Look, you can serve in the church, you can serve out of the church, you can serve both. It's real simple though. Are you serving? Are, listen, this is real simple to help you. When you see a problem, and we all can see problems. We're really good at finding problems. Are you willing to be the solution? 
or are you willing to just be the problem finder? Jason and Crystal said, there's a problem. And we're going to go take care of a problem. Well, can, can we minister to all of them? Nope, but we can minister some. Megan goes, look, there's weeds. You know, Megan kind of probably went, my hands work fine. I got, my legs work well. I can, I can pull those things. I can handle that. I can help in that area. Listen, there's always going to be problems. But thankfully... God has placed us near them to be the solutions. Let's start being that. Let's be the type of people that give. Even if it's to one. Even if it's to one. Let's be the type of people that, listen, that, that have a spirit of generosity. A spirit of generosity. Because I truly believe when we change in that way, hear me here, we live in such a self-seeking, self-absorbed world. You want to talk about being light. That'll be light in a dark place. And people will say, why, why, do you, why are you happy giving your money away? Why, why are you so encouraging? Why do you sit there with those kids week after week after week, loving on them? Why did you give up a week of your summer, Aaron, as a 15-year-old kid to go down in the hot of the Ozarks in Missouri with the humidity and the heat? Why'd you do that, Aaron? Simple. I wanted to be used by God. Why'd you do that, Aaron? Simple. So one little kid could know that at least somebody in this world believed in him. With his own father sometimes didn't. Do you realize why this is so important? Do you realize how foolish you would be right now if you thought this was all about money? This is so much greater. And I want us to all be that type of people. I believe that God has called us to be it, whether in good times or hard times. So let's do this. Let's close our eyes. We're going to pray. And yes, I want you to focus specifically on some of the three things we talked about, encouraging resources and, and servants or your life, giving that away. But listen, there's plenty of others, and I want you to be open to what the Holy Spirit may be speaking. But let's have a talk. It's real simple. I'm not going to draw this out. Are you, do you have a spirit of generosity in those three ways? Because if you don't, it's okay, but it's probably time to make some changes in our lives. It's time to say, you know what? Listen, if you're waiting for a good time, there probably won't be one. If you're waiting for you to be perfect in a certain ministry, in a certain way, you won't be. Sometimes it's just about just saying, God, I am going to be obedient to what you said, and I will let you take care of the rest. And that's what we want to do, Father. So no matter where it is, maybe it's something that I didn't even bring up, God, through your Holy Spirit, just illuminate those areas. But God, this morning, let us change. Let us understand this world doesn't owe us anything, but instead we have been put here to be a gift to this world. We have been brought here to be light and salt. Those things give things and affect the world around them. They're givers. 
And Jesus, you are the ultimate giver and we want to be like you. So God, no matter where we are on those areas, God, we can, listen, we can all, we can all be better encouragers. We can all be, be willing to have all the things that we have to be on an open hand to you and to be obedient to what you've all asked us to do. We can all serve more. We can all make a difference more. We can all be more open with our time more. So really in all this, maybe all three of these areas, we need your help to grow in. And yeah, it's hard when it's hard. It's hard when it's tough. But at least in my own life, I've never found a time where it's been easy to give. But I do know this, when I have, and when I've been obedient, I have never outgiven you, God. And no one ever will. So change our hearts and help give us a spirit of generosity in them. We love you. We thank you. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come lead us in a quick closing chorus. Here's what I know. You, listen, hear me. You are a gift. You are. You may not always feel like it, but you are. 
You have so much to give. You have so many lives you could touch with God's help. You have so much potential. You have so much ability. You are called. You have you, you can do this. I know you can. You have so much. There are so there are so many lives waiting for you to make a decision that says, "You know what? I'm going to give. I'm going to give all that I can." I'm going to give all that I am. I'm going to give all that my all the encouragement. I'm just going to give and give and give and give and let God take care of the rest. And what's going to happen is lives are going to be transformed by the power of Jesus' name. Because you were willing to be available because you were willing to have a spirit of generosity not just in one area of your life but in all areas of your life that's what god has called us to that's what god desires and that's what god uses to the fullest and that's what we should want so father we give it all to you change us in areas that we need to be changed mindset change shift some things around that need to be shifted around and help us to know that whether we're in good moments or hard moments whether or anywhere in between that you've called us to be givers because you are the ultimate giver and we'll never outgive you and we know that when we give you take it you bless it and you make it an amazing harvest for your glory and that's what we want we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hope you have a wonderful week. Love you all. Hope to see you all on Wednesday for prayer. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon.